I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Welcome to the Syrupcast, Mobile Syrup's Canadian tech-focused podcast. I'm Patrick O'Rourke, Mobile Syrup's Managing Editor, and I, along with Brad Bennett, the bad boy of tech, the host with a ghost, are taking over the podcast. Again, I did not write that intro. I would never write that. Um, and with us today, we have John Lamont. Hey, hey. It's good to be back. This week's episode is 100% Apple all the time. Um, we have a f- quite a few things to go over. There was the fall hardware event last week. All of my reviews uh, for the Series 5, the iPhone 11, the iPhone 11 Pro, and the iPhone 11 Pro Max are on mobilesyrup.com right now. Um, I think later in the podcast, Brad's going to shoot some rapid fire questions at me. Um, but let's let's get into it. I think the first thing that we want to take a look at is the iPhone 11 Pro and the Pro Max. Um, I liked both phones. Like if you've seen my reviews, I like them both. I think I gave them a nine. Um, I think for me, the big thing with the 11 Pro and the 11 Pro Max is the phones really embody Apple's efforts to play camera catch up. Like. Android devices have surpassed the iPhone probably for the last two generations, I would argue, probably since the iPhone 10, like the, the pixel three yeah. is a really good camera, especially under low light. Yeah. And like Huawei and Samsung are both like very much doing like their own thing and adding all sorts of different like lenses and whatnot, which is sort of fun. I don't know if it's like the killer camera feature that iPhone's making it out to be, but I mean, the new ones definitely seem to be for across me, the board, much better. For me, it was also um, just the way that the iPhone processed images. Apple used to pride itself in like, uh, I guess it would describe images that the iPhone takes as like uh, being true to life. That would be the terminology that they would use where, yeah, no, no, like, which is kind of funny because photography is never true to life. Like, it's just not possible. Um, but as accurate as, as, as it can be. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think they kind of strayed away from that the last little bit, especially with the new version of HDR that they had with the, the 10s and the 10s Max. There's a lot of face smoothing going on. It just didn't look. Oh yeah, that was great. a huge debacle. It was. Yeah. It was pretty controversial. Um, it was very kind of Samsung esque mm-hmm. in a way, uh, and I think with the 11 and the 11 Pro, they're very much a return to um, taking photos that don't look ridiculous and look really good. And then you have the addition of the ultra wide angle camera too, which I think is something that's was very needed um i mean like the note 10 plus has that there's a lot of other android devices too that also have ultra wide so i mean for me the iphone 11 pro at least we haven't got to the iphone 11 um was really apple playing camera catch up yeah i mean it's a great phone yeah i'm i mean it is camera catch up but i just mean I don't know how I feel about it. Like, I'm so lost in just, like, this sort of iPhone, or not even iPhone, just smartphone camera world. Like, I feel like I, every once in a while with a smartphone, I'm able to take, like, a really good picture, no matter this phone. Like, my iPhone 4S, I have pictures that I love from it. But well, that's, 
that's the other thing that I think is interesting. Like, so um, a lot of the iPhone, and I may do more of this in the future, but a lot of the iPhone uh, 11 Pro reviews that I saw from like media and YouTubers were really just camera comparisons. So yeah. it was less about the phone itself and more like, here's what the camera is capable of. Here's what the Pixel's camera capable of. Here's what the Note's camera is capable of. Um, and a lot of them pointed to the iPhone being the best, but like I looked through them all and I was like, all these pictures look dope. It all comes down to personal preference. Like, yeah. yeah. Looking at the Note 10's wide angle camera, the colors were like a little more vibrant and saturated, whereas things were muted with, with, uh, with the iPhone 11 Pro and Pro Max's wide angle shooter. So like, it really depends on what you want. Every high-end smartphone, for the most part, has a good camera at this point. And, and the other thing is you can always tweak like colors and stuff like that in post, right? So yeah. Yeah. It's, it's not a huge deal in that regard. I think there's still a few areas where there's like arbitrarily systems that are better, such as like the, the night shot modes that a lot of cameras have. There are some yeah. that are just playing like that didn't do it well and other, other software systems that do it really well. And I think Apple has really improved in that regard with the with the iPhone 11 Pro. Their night shot is really good. I think the big test will be what we see from the Pixel 4 in terms of photography, right? Like, so yeah. as far as I'm concerned, the iPhone 11 and the uh, the 11 Pro and the 11 Pro Max are capable of photos that are just as good as the Pixel, which is from a year ago. Is a year old, right? So yeah, like well impressive because that's a significant leap in photo quality and just what the camera is capable of. Um, I mean, the true test will be whether it's able to stand up to the, the pixel four. And if the pixel four is a significant leap over uh, what the pixel three was capable of. Maybe deep fusion will be Apple's sort of ace in the hole for when the pixel four comes out. Like pixel four will launch in October, which is later fall when we're supposed to be expecting deep fusion and Apple will be like, guess what? Deep fusion is here. That, that is a really good point because sweater technology, sweater yeah. shot technology. Yeah, it's Catch amazing. Every fabric on your clothes, every but, pore on your face. But yeah, it is. I think important to remember that the iPhone 11 Pro camera is technically incomplete because it doesn't have deep fusion, and I yeah. think there's a couple other software features that are currently missing that are set to come out later um, that will make it even better. So I don't know if there's any other camera features that are missing beyond deep fusion. Uh. I think Deep Fusion might be the only one, and it's supposed to launch this fall. And it's also coming to the iPhone, iPhone 11. 11, which we can talk about briefly. Um, Before we move... Oh, do, you, do you want to fire those questions at me? I think I'll save after we do all of the okay, iPhone okay, stuff. Okay, sure. But um, before we move on from the camera topic with the Pro, just one thing, like, that this is my personal opinion for sure, but ultra-wide lens versus telephoto lens... On the Huawei P30 Pro, like when I found myself using that phone, I was using like the telephoto like 510 zoom all the time because like you can never be like close enough to things or like, you know, it's hard to with a phone that has not good zoom. And I found myself using the zoom all the time and the ultra wide lens like I only used when I was on vacation, which is like once a year. Yeah. So I... I agree with you. I use the telephoto way more, and that's the big difference between the 11 and the 11 Pro is the lack of the telephoto. There's other subtle things like the green color is super cool. Um, there's a matte black, uh, sorry, a matte back on the the Pro and the Pro Max, which I yeah. think was a really good move. Mm -hmm. But that's the significant difference is the lack of a telephoto lens on the 11. And like I, I understand why Apple kind of decided to go that route. Yeah. Um, but I personally would use the telephoto way more. 
same. Like, uh, you know, everything, like I'm always taking pictures of like buildings and stuff. It's up high and I need to get closer, but I can't because I can't fly, you know, like these feet are on the ground and it's just not helpful for the wide angle lens when I'm taking like day to day photography. Uh, like when, you know, when I'm out on vacation and it's like, oh, I'm on a beach or You're taking like landscape field or, or landscapes. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. You want that ultra wide looks so nice, but like, I'm not taking that many landscape photos. So I'll tell you that. I think uh, the argument against that is that the wide angle is great for taking pictures of people. Like if you're taking large groups of uh, like a group of a a bunch of people in one place. I think that's what Apple's argument would be as to why they chose to put the ultra wide. Um, So I think I said it in my review that like I think that while the two times would be far more useful for me in the iPhone 11. I think the average Apple user and who that phone is targeting, which is like the everyday person who wants an iPhone, yeah, um, the ultra wide would be more useful in that respect. Um, but you have me second guessing it a little now. Yeah, I, I don't yeah. know. Like I'm, I even that like groups of people. Like we took family portraits on my iPhone Seven Plus like two years ago, and that's like six people in one frame, and those turned out like really well. Like my grandma has them like hanging in her house. Um, and I don't think we would have needed like an ultra wide, like maybe it would have been cool, but, but you could have fit more people in there. Yes. Yeah. True. If we would have been doing my dad's side of the family, maybe just everybody, every single yeah. person, the, like 40 of us. The other argument with, um, taking group photos is in my experience, people tend to take group photos with the selfie camera. That's true too. Um, mm-hmm. so having an ultra wide selfie camera, I think is far more important than having an ultra wide camera on the rear of the device. Yeah, that's fair. Which the iPhone does have. So. Yeah. If you turn it sideways, which is kind of weird. That was a cool I feature. I think you can enable it without it turning sideways. It just automatically goes when it's turning sideways. I was oh. looking that up earlier. I actually found I used that uh, more than I expected. On the Pixel 3 series, I used the ultra-wide selfie camera more. Because like you can capture both you and whatever's in the background a lot more completely. Uh, that's cool. Which yeah. is like really it's nice. Sick. Yeah. Um, it's like like in general, I, I liked both phones. Um, I think the new color options are cool. There's, yeah. a, there's a green and a purple with the iPhone 11. Um, there are some things that I described as kind of inexcusable with the iPhone 11. Um, I think the fact that it has an LCD display and it's like approaching the thousand dollar price point in Canada, but it's cheaper than last year's 10R by like a hundred bucks or something. But that for Apple is like almost unheard of, right? Like, sure, that's crazy. Yeah, yeah, I think that's give, like give the them biggest, credit for that. The biggest move. Um, I I just wish it for me. It would be a perfect phone in a lot of ways if it had an OLED screen. Um, but then on the other side of that spectrum, there's the argument that like the audience, the 11 is targeting doesn't give a shit. I agree. Oh, they, they do I not agree. care. Yeah. And with that in mind as well, um, the screen still looks really good. Like it's mm. LCD. Yeah. Whatever. It's 720p. It's a really small screen. So I don't think that that matters as much as some people make it out to be. Um, the colors are vibrant. It's the, one of the best LCD screens I've, I've ever seen. Um, but still just like as someone who cares about specs and like we write about this stuff every day, it's hard if I were to go out and buy an iPhone to justify buying that particular device just because it, it has an LCD display and I know that it does when I could get an Android phone that has a sick OLED screen. I think for me, I'm okay with that only because iOS has like no form of ambient display. Oh, that's true. Yeah. So like the ambient yeah. display on OLED phones or on OLED based Android phones is super awesome. It's like one of my favorite features about Android is just being able to look down, see the time, see my notifications, see the weather if you're using a Pixel or some other ones, which is super great. 
Um, but since Apple doesn't do that, which I would argue for me is the biggest improvement in OLED offers to a phone, which I guess is kind of dumb, but that's how I feel. Um, I'm okay with the LCD display as long as it like keeps the cost well, down. One of the other big things, uh, especially with iOS 13, is dark mode, which is yeah, vastly true. better on an OLED display than it is on the LCD. And that's kind of one of the things I've seen in, in all the reviews is if you take the iPhone 11 and you put it next to the Pro in dark mode, the difference is very, very apparent. Interesting. Yeah, that's a good point. And I wonder if the battery life improvements would be something worth noting well that was another a big thing with the iphone 11 pro and 11 pro max is battery life i think with the 11 is four additional hours and the 11 pro is five so the the 11 i think was one hour more than the 10r and then yeah. the pro and the pro max were four and five respectively yeah. yeah i yeah and in my in my experience that was that was accurate like uh by the end of the day with moderate use i still had like 60 percent left or something like that which I haven't experienced with an iPhone or any phone for that matter in years. Um, mm -hmm. I didn't really notice a battery bump in the iPhone 11 at all, but like it's an hour. So it's a little less noticeable than a five hour window. That's and also kind of un unheard of for Apple to actually make their phones a little bit thicker and include extra battery. Yeah. So that, that was a pretty controversial move. Um, you think so? A lot of people are pissed about it. Like really on Twitter after my reviews went up, I, uh, yesterday I kind of like threw it there like I've been using these phones for a week let me know if you have any questions about anything um and three or four people asked me that uh, and whether I thought it mattered like, like how much thicker is it like one it's like, a credit card thicker it's a few millimeters like it's noticeable if you're looking for it and yeah. the same thing goes for the weight like you can notice the weight difference if you're holding both phones in your hand okay. if you don't have the other one with you as a basis of comparison like you're not going to notice like mm -hmm. it's a trade-off that I think is well worthwhile. I agree. Like I think oh, battery life is it's, the most important thing. It's a hugely beneficial trade-off. Um, I know like when I first picked up your 11 Pro, Pat, I felt the difference immediately, but that's also like I review phones. I'm handling phones all the time. So yeah. that those kind of things like I'm more likely to notice than the average person. I mean, I guess the other thing worth mentioning uh, with the iPhones are things that we were missing, like stuff that we expected to happen that didn't happen that made the whole reveal a little more disappointing than I expected. Yeah. We were reverse wireless charging. Yeah. Like that seems crazy that they didn't add that. I mean, the rumors were leading up to the event that they dropped it like right before, like it was supposed to be there. And like before they launched them, they were like, a, I don't know, very soon before it seemed like they just took it out. I also or saw, disabled it. Like, well, that, that was a report that I was going to mention is that I saw that like the technology's in there, but they disabled it because they couldn't get it ready on a software level yet. So at some point they could, updated and it could appear that seems crazy. um that seems crazy to me and and people were kind of citing examples of like portrait mode not launching right away and and, and coming like a couple months later but or, or even deep fusion but, but Apple, deep fusion but to me this is different this is like yeah. almost like Maybe. i i understand it could be enabled by uh software but it's also a hardware thing it seems like a very un-apple like thing to do well and the yeah. fact that they didn't mention it at all you know like deep fusion and portrait mode at their respective uh, hardware events that's a good were mentioned you know like this will be coming in the fall we're working on it this was like nothing the only like hint we have that maybe it's in there is the rumors and the apple logo being moved down like what like two centimeters or something yeah i think so yeah. roughly i think i think that could also be something that's potentially really confusing for customers because like how many of those like weird apple pranks have you seen like when the new iphones came out with wireless charging for the first time there were so many like memes and, and stuff like that going around that were like oh 
if you do this with your iPhone 6, it'll have wireless charging too. Yeah, I remember that. And Put it in the microwave. There's the waterproofing stuff from years yeah, ago too. Yeah, or like adding a headphone jack to the iPhone 7. Yeah, yeah. So that, those kind of things, like, I feel like can perpetuate that culture of confusion in a lot of ways, which could be bad. Yeah, I, I mean, in general, I like the phones. It's an iterative update. We live in an iterative smartphone world, right? Like, they're very similar to last year's models. There's the inclusion of the the crazy splinter cell three camera bump that I really think was overblown. Um, yeah. When you see it in person. It's not that bad. It's not. I, I wouldn't even say it's bad. Like, I like it. Um, it does look a little off-putting at first, but you get used to it, and then you kind of run your hands over it, and it, it feels really high quality. Yeah, um, it, it looks a lot nicer in it's person. It's not tacked on in the way that people yeah. thought it was. It's not a square attached to the back of the phone. Yeah, a lot of the renders had it being black. Yes. And it stood out, and like the fact that it, the bump as well as the ring around the camera lenses is the same color as the back almost makes it sort of fade in a way. And from certain angles, it almost looks like it's inset as opposed to like outset. Like it looks like it's almost going in. Yeah. I think we talked about this yesterday. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah like. and, and I think it's also like an interesting design flourish kind of on Apple's part because it makes the iPhone stand out from Huawei devices, Samsung devices. It, it's a three-camera phone that now looks very unique, and I mm-hmm. think that that's something that like is important to Apple's like design aesthetic ethos, that they always want to be different from their competitors. Yeah. Considering that the phone is thicker, though, this year, I'm still kind of surprised that there is a camera bump as prominent as what that's true. What That's a good is. point. Um, it would be interesting once I fix it, tears it down to see what is really different inside that bump. Yeah. Um, yeah. I guess that would give us like a good glimpse into wireless charging, reverse wireless charging as well. Well, I, I'm sure like there's other things we don't know about the phones yet either, like RAM and, and, and stuff like battery that. Battery size. And battery size as well is a little unknown. These are things that Apple doesn't like they just don't talk about. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, so we'll, we'll learn more about that over the next couple of weeks. I'm sure. Yeah. Um, when- one other thing I wanted to talk about that we I think we missed out on with this iPhone is the rumored 120 hertz display. Um, I know that was a huge thing when it came to the iPad uh, and playing around with one of the iPads, like you could it's feel sick. how much smoother it was. But also, I know Brad, you've been using uh, the OnePlus Seven Pro with the 90 hertz display, and you're kind of like, yeah, it doesn't make that much of a difference. I, that was until I started playing Pokemon Go on it. Mm. Does it make a difference with gaming? Yeah, it feels Pokemon Go feels way different. Interesting. I, I, like, so I've been using it, and like you could kind of feel like this little bit. But I was like, you know what? Like for the average consumer, like who is noticing this? Like if I put like three phones in front of you, and I was like, which one's the smoothest? I bet you every single person would choose a different phone. Like I don't think you could consistently get people to choose the OnePlus. That's interesting. Uh, Seven Pro, but I downloaded Pokemon Go. I don't know, yesterday or two days ago. Uh, when the Unova Pokemon came, and it, yeah, like it just feels like weirdly smooth. Like it almost feels weird. I don't know if I like it yet, mm. but I think that I do. Um, so yeah, you, I may have had like I know we argued about this the other day, and I, I may be backing down a little. Yeah, because you you did not buy in when I talked about you know PC gaming and using a higher uh, frame rate and how it felt different. You did not buy into that. Well, now now you know. I still don't think for your average consumer, which is like who I'm here advocating for, um, this makes a big difference, you know? No. Like I think 60 is fine. Like uh, there's no need for these super high refresh rates. Although, 
Yes, the iPad Pro and the 90 hertz display are nice touches. It I, looks better. Like they didn't change much about the display to begin with. Like it's a thousand two hundred nits or something like that. Um, in a direct like the iPhone 11, uh, 11 Pro, 11, um, 11 Pro and 11 Pro Max. Hmm. Oh, it, not it, the 11. Uh, it looks slightly better. Like the colors are a little more vibrant. I think as a result of the thousand two hundred nits that it's now rated at. But like in general, the the screen looks identical to last year's, which isn't a bad yeah. thing. Like that was a really nice looking screen. Do all three models have that like Dolby spatial audio thing? I believe so. And all three is do. that only when they're in headphones, or is that like when you're watching it's, it? I think it's at all times. Um, Interesting. The sound in general was good. Like the sound in last year's phone was also good. Yeah. But I think that it had a little more direction to it. Like I was watching the Fast and the Furious. I downloaded the whole movie collection. I on, saw that tweet on iTunes. Um, and I was watching the first movie and like the direction of the cars you could kind of hear out of the phone, Okay, but it, it wasn't anything like amazing. It was similar to what I've experienced with the note 10 or, mm-hmm. or the S 10. Like it wasn't like a game changing thing. The audio was a little bit better. Yeah. Mm. Okay. So is there anything else we want to talk about with either of the new iPhones or do you want to move on to the, the series five? Um, I've got like a few questions here and then I also have one thing. So we talked about the iPhone 11 only getting an extra hour of battery life. But it's based on an hour more than the 10R, and the 10R was the existing battery champ on the iPhone line prior to this year. So I think that that hour it means more than the, or maybe not means more, but it means a considerable amount of battery life in that phone. And some of that came from the the A13, right? Like Apple did a lot of efficiency things with that processor, where yeah. it just consumes less power. And I think, yes, the iPhone 11 Pro and the 11 Pro Max have bigger batteries, but that five hours of battery life that we mentioned earlier came from also the the new processor yeah, but it's it's interesting to me that the the pros have such a bigger improvement in battery compared to the 11 i think if you tore them down and i'm sure we'll find it out when i fix it does that it's it's basically like they didn't put a new battery in the iphone 11 but they put bigger batteries in the 11 pro and 11 pro max and that's yeah, that that's the difference that's what i'm guessing i i don't really know all right should we hit these questions? They're not many, but we'll hit, see what it is. Hit me with them. All right. First up, favorite iPhone 11 color. You can choose the colors from the Pro line as well. Pat, you can go first. Uh, midnight green. John. Also midnight green. Wow. No one's choosing the iPhone 11 green. No, I, I ha- we, that was the review device I got. It's nice, but like the purple's better. I love it. All right, moving on. Do you honestly think that the iPhone 11 Pro series is worth the extra cost over the iPhone 11? I don't. And I think that was the the gist of my iPhone 11 review. Like this phone has all the iPhone 11 has all of the features that the average Apple user is going to want. If you're one of the people out there that needs the very best of whatever device you're buying every year, then the iPhone 11 Pro and the 11 Pro Max is what you should buy. Um, but I think that that Apple user is is probably very vocal and active on our website. But in the broad broad like the broader scene, the broader market is is a pretty small. Segment. Yeah, all the moms out there buying iPhone 11s. Yeah, they, uh, yeah, all the moms are buying iPhone 11 Pros for that uh, that OLED screen. Yeah, moms, moms, moms love OLED mom screens. Lo- moms True. love OLED screens. John, anything to add to that one? Yeah, I was just going to say my experience with the average consumer is that they want the best experience for the least amount of money, and right now that's the iPhone 11, not the 11 Pro. Cool. Um, if the iPhone 11 is the people's iPhone. That's what we sort of take the people's it. iPhone. That was a, a potential headline at one point. I love that headline. I think <laughs> the people's iPhone, I think we Photoshop like the communist symbol on it. It's, it's hilarious. <laughs> um, is it that much of a step up over the iPhone 10 R? 
So a lot of people asked me that on Twitter yesterday. Um, I don't think that it is. Mm-hmm. I think that if you old if you own an older iPhone, like perhaps like a, how old an eight, an eight, it's a worthwhile upgrade. But if you own a 10R, you're probably good for another couple of years. I always say that like if if you're a regular person and you buy an iPhone, you're good for three years. Mm-hmm. In, in yeah. my mind, anyways, if you take care of it and you don't smash it, like you're good for three years. Yeah, like realistically, I have my seven plus is like the iPhone that I have, and it's it's not super fast, but like I could still use it as my daily driver, I think, and, and be satisfied. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Especially like since it still has iOS 13 and all that jazz. I think the big thing would be like, how much do you care about photography? Because that's where all the upgrades are. Right? Yeah, that's if, true. If you're really into taking photos, maybe it's worth it for you. Yeah. If, if you have a 10R. I want to snap those slow fees. Oh, God. Is that how you would say that? Snap slow fees? Record a Such slow Such an fee? interesting way to market like a very pedestrian feature that every phone has had for a really long time. But think mm. of the TikToks. Oh, God. Think of the videos. I don't, I don't want to. I really don't. <laughs> the, teen, the teens are going to be super creative with that. Yeah. Any, any more questions to shoot out? Um, would you, like, I guess you kind of just answered that one. Um, so I'll modify this one a little bit, but do you think there's any feature missing from the phones? Like what what ideal feature would Patrick O'Rourke add to the iPhone 11 series? So the 11, um, I would like an OLED screen. Mm-hmm. And if not an OLED screen, I would like it to be 1080p. I don't think you need a 4K or like a 2K screen on a phone. I think that's overkill. Um, and I think yeah. it affects battery life probably to to. Like, like yeah. it's just a box that you can check at that point when you're getting to like above 1080p on a smartphone. It's a tiny display. Make a really good 1080p screen. Don't worry about the pixels. Um, so yeah, color accuracy, right? Yeah, I, yeah. Would, I would rather have that. But like, I I do think that it is a little unacceptable that the iPhone 11 still has a 720p screen in 2019. All right. Yeah. On on that note, also, like if we if Apple went the OLED route, I would have really liked to see this be the year of always on display for Apple. Yeah. But the watch and the phones, like I think that would have been really cool because that's one of my favorite features from Android devices. I wonder Apple if they would on. ever do that. Let's discuss that. That was an interesting concept. Taking the dimming always on features with like the color pops that the Apple Watch Series Five has, and adding that to like the always on display on the iPhone would be so nice. Like, imagine. versions of complications and apple watch faces on your apple's iphone screen all the time like that would be that would look a pretty b cannibalize maybe the apple watch market for some people and c i want that so bad i think it would just affect battery life too much would it though i mean like android phones do it and like it you know i get tons of battery life on certain android phones yeah i don't in my experience it doesn't affect android phone battery life drastically enough to make it worth turning off interesting and also the other aspect is by adding that feature to an iphone it would eliminate the need for the iphone to turn its screen on every single time you get a notification which 
definitely yeah. draws way more power than just having a small it section says, of the screen I think on that's, all the time. That's one of the things I wish uh, iOS 13 was a little better at is managing notifications. I'm still not not pleased with notifications on Apple devices. Yeah, it's yeah. Ever since Android 10, it's like I, you can't. It's yeah. so good. But to answer your question, like I don't know if I care about an always on screen in the context of a phone. I always find that whenever I'm reviewing an Android device or using an Android device, uh, you don't like, turn it off. Like do you? I don't turn it off, but I also don't take advantage of it in any way, right? Mm. Um, I don't find myself like looking for notifications on an always on screen. Uh, maybe that's because I usually have a smartwatch on, even when I'm mm. using an Android device. So that yeah. that could be part of it. Um, it would be cool, like it'd be nice to have, but I I don't know if it's something I ever see Apple doing. I, I think it's kind of one of those things that it's like you don't feel like it's something that you need until you have it and you use it. And then you're like, oh, this is something that I love. Like for me, I used to really love having the notification lights on my old Android phones, like way back in the day, a little blinking light. It was great. And a lot of phones have done away with that, but they've replaced it with the always on display, which serves the same purpose. That's true. And it's great. Just for my workflow, I usually have my phone sitting on a desk or a wireless charger in a quick glance at it, I can see, oh, I've got emails, I've got text messages, whatever. And usually I can just tell just by glancing at the phone if I need to respond to something or not. That's a good segue into the next device Apple that Watch. we want to talk about, the Apple Watch Series 5. Um, I wasn't that hyped for it when it was revealed. I kind of like groaned because it looked identical to the Series 4, um, which I thought was a pretty worthwhile upgrade. Like they, they minimized the bezels, put a better processor in it. Um, the key feature with the Series 5 that I didn't think I wanted until I actually used it was the always-on display. See, that that links there back to what we were just talking about. Yeah, but continue, so continue, continue. Maybe, maybe you guys are right about the about this stuff with the iPhone. Uh, sorry, yeah, with, with the always-on uh, display with the iPhone. So, I, I mean, I didn't think that I was going to like the Series 5 as much as I did. I thought it was a pretty pedestrian update, new processor, some new features coming to Watch OS 6 that are also coming to every other Apple Watch. Um, for the most part, but the, it's coming to the series one and two later, though, which is odd. The Watch OS six, or some of the specific features, one of the two. Yeah, I don't. I, know. Most of them are coming. Yeah, it, it's weird, kind of the rollout that they're using this it's year. It's staggered. But, yeah. So, I, I guess a good way to put it is like, I had a smartwatch before the Apple Watch. I used the classic Pebble, like the the OG Pebble, um, and what I really liked about it is, it allowed me to stay connected to work and school and whatever at the time. Um, but also kind of shut off a little bit and I never felt rude having it on my wrist and looking at notifications because they were always there. Like I didn't mm. have to like move my hand or anything like that. It was like I'm at dinner with someone, I get, um, a phone call or uh, I'm waiting for an email. I would see it on the watch and be like, Oh, whatever. I know that came through. I can deal with it later. That was something that was always missing for me with every Apple watch series. Like I've reviewed everyone. So like right back to the series one. Um, the raise to wake functionality where you're like lifting up your wrist has never worked very well. It's been okay, but not great. I think the series four is probably the most accurate, but there was still like, if it works, uh, 10 times, uh, that 11th time it, it, the screen wouldn't light up. Right. Yeah. And, and that creates frustration. Um, so now with the new LTPO display, which stands for low temperature polysilicone oxide um the series 5 hasn't always on screen and i didn't think i'd give a shit about that at all mm -hmm. um but I, I really liked it and it turned out to be like 
I would probably, if I had a Series 4, after using the Series 5 and experiencing the always-on display, I would go out and buy the new Apple Watch. And that's not something that I would have done with your average like phone iterative update or anything like that. Yeah, I guess, I mean, it turns it in a weird way more into a traditional watch. It feels like a normal yeah, watch. Yeah, which is, is yeah. Like what you want with a watch. You want to be able to see the time all the time. Yeah, yeah. My, my initial reaction to that announcement was like, finally like i feel like a lot of uh yeah. of the other smartwatches that are out there like you mentioned pebble but i think also some of the android wear if you go back that far watches had some degree of always on display yeah um and yeah it's it's amazing how not subtle the action of looking at your wrist is when you've got a smartwatch on like i used to get called out for that all the time where i'd glance at my watch to check the time and somebody would be like it's oh, rude like, right like yeah, yeah. so I mean, I, I really like it, but the thing the thing with the Series 5 is that's all that there really is notable about it. Yeah. Like, you're getting watchOS 6 features, like, um, what's a good example? Like, the OnWatch App Store, which is yeah. cool. I don't use wa- uh, apps on the Apple Watch. The Series 5 didn't convince me to use apps, but it might, like, now that there's one on the actual watch itself, that might change for other Apple Watch users. Um, I think a lot of the apps are, like, fitness-based and, like, other things like that. So, I mean, it really depends on your lifestyle. What which the purpose is for it. Yeah, yeah and which mm-hmm. I still think the Apple Watch is, like, 50% a fitness tracker almost at this point. Yeah, they, it started off as, like, it was very interesting, like, in the early days of the Apple Watch, the way that even the media was covering it. Like, I know at first it was kind of positioned as, this is going to replace your smartwatch someday. Smart and then phone. It, yeah, your smartphone someday. And then it's it moved on to... fashion piece. Then it moved on to that being yeah. a fashion piece, and now it's it's kind of this fitness device. But it also, like during the reveal, Apple once again was kind of positioning it as this fitness device that's also a great companion for your iPhone in terms of like notification triage and stuff like that. Yeah, because iPhones get lonely out there. Yeah, they're they're lonely mm. lonely guys. Um, but I like I I honestly don't have much else to say about it. It's really nice. It's the same as the Series Four with an always on display. I liked it. It's great. Yeah, I mean, and the like, dimming feature is really cool. But, yeah, I don't think we have a whole lot more to say about the Apple Watch. No. Um, and then I think the other things we wanted to briefly mention is Apple Arcade launches this week. Um, I'm pretty pro Apple Arcade. I think it's a cool idea for a, a service. Basically, the way it works is I believe there's over 100 games at launch. Is it 100? It's somewhere around 100, yeah. Yeah, over 100 games across iPhone, iPad, Apple TV, and Mac. Um, and you pay a pretty affordable subscription fee of a fee of five ninety nine a month. There's a one month free. Is I, it a month free? Yeah, I, th- I believe it's one month. Isn't I thought it? it was a week. I think uh, Apple TV Plus is a week, and Apple Arcade is a month. Yeah, yes. no, Apple Arcade is a month. One month free trial. Damn, I'm gonna hop on that right away. So, like, mobile gaming always gets a bad rap, but I think there's creative experiences on the platform that either get buried because there's so many apps or the developers aren't bringing to mobile because there's no way for them to make money without really intrusive, frustrating microtransactions. Correct. So this offers an alternative path for developers to monetize their projects for a very select few. Like, that's a key thing to mention. Mm-hmm. And it's also mm-hmm. unclear how they're getting paid. So, yep, like, that's true. Well, a- Apple had this demo thing set up. Um, I tried a bunch of different games, mostly Canadian ones, uh, Skate City from Snowman, Where Cars Fall from Snowman, um, Spec 
and another game called Sneaky Sasquatch, which was kind of like Animal Crossing, which I know you'll be hyped about. Mm-hmm. I was looking at that one yesterday. I don't know if it's going to like scratch that itch, but there is a lot of games on there that look awesome. Like this, like this castle building simulator. There's so thing. many. Like it looks sweet. I'm like, excited about it. For five ninety nine a month and a hundred games, that t- like that blows my mind that that's a subscription service that exists. I think the big thing with arcade is whether or not Apple can keep the momentum. Like it has a hundred great launch games. How often are games going to hit the platform? Yeah. Like new, more games. You know what I mean? Or is it just going to stick with that hundred for a period of time? Yeah. I, we got like another 25 next year or something. Like yeah. What they... yeah. I think there's a lot of other questions about the service as well. Like you already mentioned how are developers getting paid, but also like what happens with a game? Like when it gets a big content update, that would normally be like a paid DLC or something like that. Yep. Right. We don't know yet. You know, how's that going to work? There's, yeah, I just think there's a lot of questions around Apple Arcade. And most importantly, like, how is it going to change mobile gaming? Because this is a huge service. And with iPhone, like, because of the breadth of that platform, there's going to be probably some unintended consequences that come about. So, And Google's rumored to be working on their own yeah, kind Play of Pass. subscription yeah. service. So, like, I, I don't know. I, I know we don't have a ton of time left, but I, I'm excited for it. I think it's a really good idea. I'm curious to see where it goes. I think it's a really smart move. Um, this is something like I've been arguing with people about a lot. It's like I see kids playing games or app games on phones and tablets all the time. Um, you know, like when we were younger, Game Boy. I may have talked about this last time, but when we were younger, Game Boys, that kind of jazz. And now the iPhone's the new Game Boy. The iPhone's the new Game Boy. Exactly. So yeah. like getting those premium games front and center and getting people to pay for them, which is, I think, the trick that Apple was having because free games were so prevalent and there. And if you wanted to find a game that you liked that was free, you could, probably could because there's so many out there. Um, but now this condenses 100 notable games that are likely good into one like relatively small fee. I think this is like, in a few years, this is going to be like a really big thing and kids are going to be using this a lot. Especially because it, it works with Am- or, uh, Apple's family share or whatever, oh, yeah, whatever that feature yeah, is called, cool, right? Too. So it's like... I I think it's just one five ninety nine fee, yeah. and that covers your whole family. Yeah. Does anyone know about cross saves? Like, if I was playing a game on my yeah, phone, yeah, yeah. I could cross then pick it up on There's my Apple saves. TV when I get home. So, for example, that is really sweet. That is like almost a dream. So, something like Skate City, um, yeah. I could play it on my phone on the way to work. Yep. Could come home, connect my Xbox controller to my Apple fourth generation Apple TV, and continue playing. You're speaking my my language right which, now. Which which sounds sick to me. Yeah, exactly. On my computer, like in bed, like this is on my iPad. Oh, this is. This might be my thing. So the next thing, um, and I know we've been super pro pro Apple for most of the podcast, and I think I'm a little a little more down on this platform as Apple TV Plus. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't yeah. think it's launching with a lot of content. I think some of that content, to be clear, looks really cool. I have no interest in the morning show. I think C, <laughs> the Jason Momoa-led show, looks crazy. Yeah, uh, crazy, crazy dumb. Like. But, how are, but also the type of show that I would love to watch on a Friday night and kind of just laugh at how ridiculous it is that this got made. So in a way, it could be really good. Like that scene from the trailer where they're like, <laughs> these babies can see. It's like, how do you know that? You can't see. <laughs> that was wild. I think the one show what a ride. The one show that I'm hyped about, and Bennett, I'm sure you'll agree with me, is For All Mankind. For All Mankind. Yes, so, that so. does look super interesting. And it's an alternate history drama where the Russians beat the U.S. to the moon. Yeah. I um I, I don't know if it's like cool to plug another publications thing, but IGN just has a huge write up on it and it's oh, really cool. really interesting. I think nice. I sent it to you, um, but they like did a feature on it. It's really cool. Oh yeah, I saved it to my pocket to read yeah, later. Check that um, out. So I mean, five ninety nine is cheap. We're not talking Netflix prices. We're not talking Crave prices. 
uh, you get a free subscription to it when you buy an Apple device. So that's like another service kind of added to Apple's arsenal. But everything except for Apple Watch, I think. Is Apple Watch the only exception? I believe. So you mean I can't so. watch Apple TV on my Apple Watch? No, unfortunately not. I wonder if you can control it though. Is there an Apple TV remote on that? Uh, I don't think so. There's but probably you can a get third it on the web one. in the in a browser apparently. Okay. So that'll oh, like, open the door for a few other people beyond Intel, like Roku and Fire TV and Samsung launch their Apple TV Plus apps. Yeah, which um, is seeming like it won't be November first. I don't. Uh, yeah, we'll we'll see what happens. I mean. I'm excited for it because, like, we've heard about this for so long, but I kind of think that it's not gonna do great. Yeah, I don't. I don't think it will do as well as Apple Arcade, uh, just because of the sheer number of streaming services that are out there. Um, and a lot of people are talking about, oh, you know, there's so many streaming services, it's gonna be so expensive. But the whole point of streaming services is you pay for the content that you want. So if there's nothing on Apple TV Plus that you want to watch. Don't pay for it. Well, that's where they're hooking you is so when it launches, it's launching with three episodes of each title and then new episodes come out weekly. So mm. if you want to wa- get it's Apple not TV, binge watching. Exactly. If you want to like only watch for all mankind, you're going to have to pay for two months worth of Apple TV, probably, if not more, depending on how long it is. But Unless you just buy a new iPhone. So the, the whole deals. <laughs> The whole argument that John just mentioned is like always what drives me crazy when people are like, are there too many streaming services? Do we have too much choice? I need to subscribe to everything. Um, And my response is always like, you don't like subscribe to what you're interested in. So like if you want to watch Disney stuff, subscribe to that platform. If you want to watch Crave, subscribe to that platform. If there's a show airing that you want to see on Crave, like say The Handmaid's Tale is airing, subscribe for those two months while that show is on or three months, then unsubscribe, move on to another service. I just think we, there's way more choice and versatility with streaming apps than there was with cable. Yeah, I guess the ability yeah. to pick it up and drop it is easy, but I mean the like psycho where it gets in, you know, there's always something new to watch. Yes. So it's like yeah. hard to get rid of those things. Like, yeah, Handmaid's Tale, I watched on Crave, and now, oh, now I'm watching Succession, and I was watching yeah. Chernobyl, and like, who knows what's going to come next? Like, if the Righteous Gemstones last longer than Succession, <laughs> I'm going to be continuing with my Crave, and like, so sure, um, yeah. The only one I've had like success with that method is like YouTube TV or YouTube Premium, whatever that was called. Um, like you know, Cobra Kai comes out, like watch that and like can binge that and move on, and that's good. Um, but like you know, with Crave, I find that harder because of the HBO content that comes out weekly, which I think is what mm-hmm. Apple and Disney Plus are both going to be doing as well. There's going to be some binge stuff on uh, Disney, but it's mostly back catalog. Okay, but uh, yeah, I think like that that hooks you more than you think it would um, because like the bingeable Netflix is like, yeah, I only need to pay for one month because I could watch all this in a day if yeah. I have like the perfect Sunday. That's true. Yeah. I I think that's everything. The only other thing that was revealed yeah. at the event was the 10.2 inch uh, seventh generation entry weird. level iPad, which kind of was this weird thing tacked on at the end. Yeah. Um, it features like... a smart connector and Apple pencil support. They had Apple pencil support previously. The 9.7 inch did. Which is what this replaces. But now it has the smart connector. Yeah. And I think that is like kind of a buy our products and our accessories moved by Apple. Where they yeah, were like. The accessory ecosystem. Yeah. They were like, okay, we want people to buy keyboards with the iPad because with their iPad Pro, we've noticed that that's a big market. We're making a lot of money. Um, but, oh, a keyboard on a 9.7 inch iPad is a little too small. Let's boost this up a little bit. Throw the smart connector on there. I didn't even uh, play around with it in the demo station. One, because I didn't have time. And two, because I wasn't incredibly interested mm-hmm. in it. Um, yeah, I mean, if you already have like a 9.7 inch iPad, I don't see any reason to upgrade. But I mean, like, it's cool that those 
those key features are coming to like the entry level iPad. Yeah, I, yeah. yeah. I mean, well, they've kind of like already been here. Like the pencil support been here since last year. Um, and yeah, I don't know if the smart connector keyboard is like that big of a hey, thing. You, Bluetooth you, keyboards are you real. You could use a Bluetooth keyboard. Yeah. That's true. And like, there's like those Bluetooth keyboard cases. Like you have that case on your iPad Pro that turned it into like a MacBook. It just looks like a heavy ass MacBook. But that's a Bluetooth connector, right? Mm. Yes. So like, you know, there were options that were like circumventing this, but and, now. And to be honest, like Apple's proprietary keyboards for the iPad are straight fire trash like fire they're trash. horrible mm. um the keys are really weird they're circular it's just like not a good keyboard yeah. yeah um but yeah it's almost like apple doesn't know keyboards i think that's accurate uh as i sit here looking at my macbook pro with a very greasy keyboard yeah and I, my macbook where like the letters are being rubbed off <laughs> <laughs> but that might change if there's another um another apple event coming this fall with a 16 inch macbook and like weird scissor scissor keys yeah 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 i think you were the one that wrote about that yesterday like there might be another apple event in october or something yeah right? something about an ipad pro rumor a new gonna, ipad pro yeah that's gonna have the same camera system as the iphone 11 pro interesting which, and a 16 inch macbook as well like totally redesigned no that, that wasn't that wasn't mentioned yeah my thing was just ipad rumors interesting that would be a good time for them to drop the new apple tv streaming box i think that's what's probably going to happen right yeah like, it's going to be the same apple tv just with a better processor mm-hmm so unless there's anything else that we want to mention, I think that's a good place to wrap things up. Yeah, let's put this to bed. Yeah. Um, so let's do shout outs, Brad. Um, okay, yeah, I was just shouting at the iPhone 11 colors. I mean, people don't know me very well, but I love colorful phones. And so iPhone 11, not 11 Pro. So iPhone 11 specifically, I love the colors. They remind me of like, you know, 1970s kitchen appliances, KitchenAid mixers, all that kind of KitchenAid cool. mixers. Hell yeah. All that kind of cool stuff, and I think these are like the best colorful iPhones, or the mo- my favorite colorful iPhones that I've ever seen. So I'm shouting out those guys. Nice, yeah. John. What's your? Uh, I I was gonna shout out uh, Google's ad team for that uh, New York ad that they put up in Times Square for the Pixel Four about a month <laughs> yeah, ahead of the event. So funny. But uh, I'm actually gonna change my shout out and give it to Pat's MacBook, which died like six times trying to record this podcast. So good. It was great. I'm I'm still don't know why that was happening. I think it might have been because it was a uh, uh, GarageBand project that had been used for five weeks in a row. You just keep clearing it out. Yeah, I clear it and then I and save maybe, it again. That's a weird so one. I'm thinking yeah. that might be it. Other than that, I have no idea because I restarted my laptop. I, either way, it, it pulled through uh, in the end. Just an absolute champ. Once I made a new one. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and so my shout out, just absolutely blanked. What was my shout out? Is it your hand again? No, not my hand. His oh, hand I, is I better. Now. We shouldn't. Yeah. yeah. So my my shout out was uh, I've been playing Link's Awakening, the uh, remake for the Switch for the last little bit. It's a, a a lesser known Zelda title that was released, I believe, in 1994 for the Game Boy. It was the game that convinced me to learn how to read as a young child. Um, I didn't see the point in reading until a video game was <laughs> released that I really wanted to play, which is kind of funny in itself, given what I do today for a living. It is. It's um, but it's it's a good game, and I think that people should give it a chance. There's a, a few issues. I'm going to write a story about it on Mobile Syrup. Um, it lags, which is really weird for a Nintendo-developed game. There's a ton of lag, and it's a top-down Zelda title, really? which like blows my mind. I'm wondering if there's going to be like a day-one patch or update or something. Uh, that scares me so much. Um, but it's aged really well. It's a different type of Zelda game. Mm-hmm. It's still that same dungeon system, but there's a lot of interesting characters and strange things that happen in it that are kind of out of the norm of what you would expect from a Zelda title. Cool. 
So thanks yeah. for listening to the Syrupcast. You can find me on Twitter at, at Patrick underscore Rourke. And of course, mobilesyrup.com. Brad, where can people find you? Uh, you can find me just about everywhere at the Brad Fad. And then, yeah, you can read my work on mobilesyrup.com as well. And John, where can everybody find you? You can find me on Twitter at John, J-O-N underscore Lamont, L-A-M-O-N-T. And also on the website, mobilesyrup.com. And as always, all the content we referenced today, including my iPhone reviews, are on Mobile Syrup. So check out our homepage. It's all there. You can follow uh, the website on Twitter and Instagram at, at Mobile Syrup. Yeah, and check out our YouTube. Pat just put up some videos about the new iPhone. So I think that this is all, uh, you know, the content is everywhere. Yeah, we're hoping to have more, you want it. more video content over the next couple uh, months. So keep an eye out for that. Yeah, hope for it. And that's it. Thanks for listening. Serves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.